Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Raley, and I'm coming to you live this week from a campground somewhere in Door County, Wisconsin. I'm having a little getaway week with with my family, doing some camping, and uh, man, I tell you, we are long overdue for some R&R. Our kids are long overdue for some undivided dad attention Uh, my folks are here with us they drove all the way up from alabama and we're all camping together it's going to be a blast Uh, we just actually got here this afternoon so we had time to uh, set up camp uh, have some s'mores have a little bit of dinner and basically get in bed and so looking forward to tomorrow we're going to head to washington island which if you haven't tried that little uh ferry ride across to washington island yet you should definitely do that next time you are in door county it is a fantastic time. There's a little place over there that uh, has burgers and shakes. We're going to stop there for lunch tomorrow. One of my absolute favorite places to eat lunch. So anyway, shout out to them. Don't know what they're called. Can't remember the name, but I'll figure it out tomorrow. And uh, just got to say, man, right now I am uh, I'm pretty overwhelmed with gratitude. Uh, we're in the middle of a move right now. We've had a lot of showings over the, the last couple of days. Uh, there's some pretty big transitions for us as a family and some that are going to impact this podcast and I- impact it in, in some really, really great ways. And uh, I don't quite have enough to share all the details right now. Uh, hopefully by this time next week, I can fill you in on a bit more. But just know there are some really cool things coming in store for the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast and how I spend my time. Uh, I'll just say that. Uh, But I I, I did just want to say thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate uh, all the support. I appreciate all the likes, all the shares, uh, all the supportive comments, all the times you guys reach out to me, letting me know about topics you want to talk about or just, you know, giving me feedback on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate all of that, really keeping us going. And, um, yeah, keep it up. If you want to do me a solid, you can go share this podcast, tell other folks about it. That's huge for us. And follow along with us on Instagram, leave us a review, all that good stuff. We've got a great episode for you today. Uh, I'm talking with Johnny Utah Mulligan about his journey working in the outdoor space. This is something that has interested me more and more as you know the podcast has gotten going and, and you guys have been supporting it and loving what we're doing. And uh, yeah, I want to talk with guys like Johnny who... 
uh, man have been scratching out a living, you know, who've been uh, been on the grind for a while. John has his hands in a little bit of everything right now. Uh, handmade turkey calls, the Primal Divide show on Carbon TV, freelance photography and videography, you name it. It seems like he's doing it. But things were not always that way as John transitioned into the hunting industry full time. In fact, in 2019, he was kind of close to throwing in the towel, I guess you could say. Uh, he says he, he had, you know, just a couple of dollars left in his checking account. And he thought that he was going to be having to go back to, uh, to his normal nine to five or whatever his job was before. But as he says, hey, the phone started ringing and it hasn't stopped ringing since. So we're going to uh, bring to you some of his story, tell you a bit about what went into making the man that we all know now as Johnny Utah Mulligan. And uh, we're, man, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff like his how he got into the outdoor industry, uh, different areas that he's currently working in. And uh, one of my favorites was hearing about some of his time as, a nar- as an undercover narcotics officer and how that really helped him as he transitioned into the outdoor industry space. So really, really interesting. Uh, it's a really inspirational story and left me thinking just like, man, if you're ever going to chase what you're passionate about, now is the time. So uh, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned here in just a minute. But before we jump into the episode, I do have to say thanks to all of our partners who help us keep the lights on here at the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. First of all, Tacticam, our title partner, they make awesome cameras. It is trail camera season right now. I'll be uh, getting mine out here hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Like I said, though, we've got a, a move in store, so not sure what all of that is going to look like just yet. I'm going to be running the Reveal X Gen 2 cameras. They, uh, man, the stats on these things are insane. 96 plus feet detection range. Uh, they have an external port for a solar panel, which, you know, is huge if you're a guy like me and you really like to get your, uh, your cell cameras in hard to reach spots, places that you really don't want to go back into. You don't want to be messing around with checking a, a, an SD card. You don't want to mess with checking the batteries or, or refilling the batteries. You can just throw the solar panel on there and get tons of life out of your camera. In fact, I'm going to use that in a lot of spots that I know uh, hold community scrapes uh, during November. And I'm going to get those out, you know, here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm just going to let them sit and soak. So, uh, yeah, fantastic use for these cell cameras. The Reveal X Gen 2 is out now for about 125 bucks. So go check them out, www.tacticam.com. Or you can also find those on revealcellcam.com. Next, big shout out to Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. With the Deer Lab app, you can store and analyze all of your trail camera data. You can build profiles for individual bucks, which is awesome. You can create reports so that you can make data-driven decisions while you are afield. Uh, I actually just recorded an episode with John Livingston about Deer Lab and uh, a bunch of the great features that uh, Deer Lab has. We talked about, we covered a lot of those, and I think it's going to be coming out in about three weeks or so. Uh, but in the meantime, you can use the code Wisconsin all caps to get 20% off of any plan on their website, www.deerlab.com. It is well worth it. You will love it. I've been using it all spring. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Finally, Huntworth, man, the newest partner to the show, but sheesh, my goodness, these, uh, their clothing is very quickly becoming some of my favorite um, I've been wearing it for a couple of weeks now and I absolutely love it. The Durham lightweight pants and the Shelton midweight hoodie have become like my staple. If I don't have to wear something else, 
that is what I want to be in. So I have been really, uh, really digging their garments. And I've been trying out their Hickory backpack. And let me tell you, for a three-pound backpack, man, you get a lot with this thing. If you're a saddle hunter, you're a guy that likes to be uh, lightweight and mobile, but also you want to have some uh, straps, extra straps on your backpack to kind of carry in sticks and a platform or that kind of thing. I think you'll really, really like this backpack. It's worth a shot. The Hickory, it has a frame inside of it that actually holds the pack off of your back. So if you have a long walk, you're worried about getting your back all sweaty, which I absolutely hate. You're not going to have to worry about that with the Hickory backpack. If you're carrying in sticks, no worries with the Hickory backpack. Carrying in a tripod or camera arm or all that kind of stuff like I'm doing when I head into the field, not a problem with the Hickory backpack. It has plenty of straps, plenty of room coming in at only three pounds. Go check it out. Big thanks to our partners. If you enjoy this podcast, I'm going to ask you, head on over, check them all out, support those partners that support us. Now let's jump into the conversation with Johnny Utah Mulligan. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is Johnny Utah Mulligan. What's going on, man? Hello, hello. How's it going in southwest Wisconsin? It's going well. It's going well. How's it going over in Iowa? It's good. It's uh, wet, humid, muggy, rainy. So we either have high winds one day or rain the next. Typical, um, we'll call it sprummer. Sprummer uh, type weather. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so I like that. Yeah. Did you guys get the high winds the other day? We did. Yeah. Um, actually all, all weekend up until even last night. I mean, last night it was, it was still whipping pretty good. So uh, it's calmed down today and it's just overcast and muggy and wet today. Yeah. I w- I was out our, my turkey season extended a little longer than yours. You you posted on Instagram mm-hmm. you were done for the year, and I was like, nah, man, Wisconsin. Uh, trying to see I if I could persuade you yeah. to get up here to Wisconsin, but you were like, nah, we got we got other things going on. So, But I, I was out trying yeah. to turkey hunt in that wind, and I had a Tom 200 yards out in a field gobbling his head off, and I could not uh-huh. hear him. Like, I could yeah. not hear him gobble at all, and I was like, this is pointless. I don't even know why I'm here. I know. He's not going to hear me yeah. gobbling or hear me calling to him. Yeah. Uh, it's just not going to work. Yeah. So, uh, how did your spring well, turkey? That's, that's when you uh, you need one of those copper those copper calls from that company, Bourbon Barrel Calls. I was going to ask, uh, do you know where I can get the, one? It'll cut through the wind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, I need, I need to get my hands yeah. on one of those. How did uh, yeah. How did your spring go? Did you do all right in the it turkey It was pretty woods? good. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. I initially this year what i was going to do is i was going to start in iowa um i was going to go to texas and then kentucky i was just going to hunt three states this year nothing crazy uh compared to you know years past but um i i ended up shooting a bird in iowa and then my plans for texas got put on hold they actually had a bunch of high winds down there and it was like 40 Mm. mile an hour gusts down there for like a week straight oh wow and you know, I think anybody who turkey hunts will agree high winds are just typically not a lot of fun. Either A, like you said, you can't hear the birds or they can't hear you. And a lot of times birds just don't like to strut and, and run around, you know, whenever it's it's high winds like that. So um, there is always that anomaly. <laughs> but again, on a higher percentage, it seems like the turkey hunting doesn't go as well for me in high winds. So um, I put that on hold and I ended up going to Kentucky. Um, things never panned out with Texas. My buddy ended up having him and his wife had a baby and you know, how rude of them, you know, to do that so you know, during Turkey season. I cannot believe yeah. they would do that. 
You yeah, I sent her a text message. I was like, how inconsiderate, you know, self-centered, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, so they had a baby. So that, that plan got put on hold. It's okay. I'll go back there and we'll chase some pigs and coyotes later on this summer. But uh, went down to Kentucky and was immediately faced with some low bird numbers. I had heard the numbers were low, but I didn't know how bad it was. And, and, um, you know, I, I just released the episode and I kind of explained how I even got onto the piece of ground that I got onto and it was just sheer luck situation. But, you know, you get two, two tags in Kentucky and, and because the numbers were so bad, I ended up killing that first bird. And I just said, that's it. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to go after a second bird. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to be that guy, you know what I yeah, mean? Sure. If I, if I know numbers are down, I'm not going to contribute to it. So I went ahead and pulled out of there with my one tag and, and one, one eaten tag. And, uh, I came back to Iowa and again, we get to, you know, we get to two tags here as well. And I started talking to a bunch of my buddies and they're like, man, things have gotten worse since you left. Like there's just not a lot of birds. And I was like, you know what? Let's just call it. We got, we got two birds down. I'll turn, I'll make that into a double episode. You know, uh, I'll put both of those hunts in one episode and let's just go ahead and get focused and move on to some other, you know, other things that are going, I've got a really big fall. And if I can get a few more weeks of planning for the fall, then I'm, I'm money ahead, so to speak. Right. So let's just do that. So that's, that's what I opted to do. I had a couple of photo shoots and had a little bit of traveling to do. So yeah, I, I called my season when you guys were probably just getting into your second season or something like that. <laughs> yeah, man, here in Wisconsin, it, it, it seems one, it seems to drag on. And as you know, we can, we can take a lot of birds. Uh, if you can oh, get yeah, the tags, yeah. I'm in zone two. And so it's a little bit uh-huh. harder to get zone two tags. If you get over into zone yeah. one, then man, you can pretty much pick, you know, pick up one a day, uh, as soon as you yeah. fill that last yeah. one. But, um, man, anyway, so yeah, numbers are, numbers are definitely weird here. And it, it sounds like that's kind of, um, kind of happening a little bit of everywhere, but kudos to you for mm-hmm. saying, Hey, numbers are down and I want to be part of the solution, you know, rather than risking contributing even more to the problem. Yeah. You know, and, and I tell you, man, a lot of times as much as, as much as my personality is like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. At the same time, I never want to be that guy. That's just like, I'm going to go hunt for content and I need more, I need more posts or I need, I need more footage for the show. Yes. There is an element that that's how I, you know, it's how I make a living and, and I do have to make episodes, but I would rather have an episode where I just say, Hey, look, I'm calling my season early because bird numbers are down and, and, um, you know, I'm going to try to go hunt some, some raccoons or coyotes instead, um, instead of trying to go out here and put more pressure out here and mess up, you know, the hunts for maybe next year or the year after or something like that. So there you go. Playing that long game, invest in next year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because I'm going to live to be 150, so I'm, I I play the long game. <laughs> That's right. Very good. Well, man, I I, I got to let you know up front. Um, this is one of those episodes where I, I definitely wanted to have you on. I feel like you've got a, a ton to to fill our listeners in on, and a, a, just you're you're a great resource. But I'm going to be totally selfish. Um, I I obviously want my uh, want the listeners to get to know you a little bit, but man, I wanted personally to pick your brain because of your yeah. journey, 
right? Like I, yeah. I've been listening to you, watching you, and I've seen the the big moves that you've made, uh, the ballsy moves that you've made. I mean, quite quite honestly, like they're just they're huge. Mm-hmm. And and I'm kind of in that point in my journey right now. I haven't really said much about it on the podcast, but uh, I'm taking steps in a in a similar direction to move more into the outdoor industry and sort of exploring what that looks like for me. And so I want to hear. Uh, really about your story. So I, I know you've shared it on other podcasts, but for those who maybe aren't familiar mm-hmm. with you, can you kind of tell me about uh, who you are and how you got to where you are today as far as uh, the personality that we all know in the hunting space? Yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up in central Kentucky, very much farming, um, drove drove race cars uh, professionally, some dirt late model stock cars for a little while. And, um you know, I had a career for 16 years, had a career as a police officer doing undercover narcotics uh, within. And, you know, during that time, you know, I got to work with uh, all of the three letter acronym agencies um, that are out there. And I started hunting like a lot of people do. But for me, I was kind of a weekend warrior. I went out during our rifle season. Kentucky had like a two week rifle season. So typically what I would do is uh, at the, at the PD, we had four on three off, which meant during our rifle season, I would get to hunt six days a year. Wow. I would hunt on my three days, you know, three RDOs each week. And, um, I, you know, I'd shot some, shot some does, I'd shot some bucks and stuff like that. And it was fun, but I, I wasn't hooked in hunting. I didn't grow up hunting. My dad, my dad fished and we worked (laughs) that was work was a hobby growing up for us (laughs) and um and i and i learned to enjoy you know enjoy work and and just kind of helping out around the family farm and and my dad's plumbing business as well so that's that's what we did and um it got to the point where i was hunting one season and i believe it was i believe it was oh Oh, was it 06, maybe? Maybe 06. I shot a whitetail and I shot this buck with a rifle. It was, you know, 75, 80 yard shot, you know, nothing super impressive sniper style. Um, And for the time, I didn't have that heartbeat race. You know, my heart wasn't racing. Even when I, even when I dialed in my scope and got on him and pulled the trigger and I heard him crash, nothing, you know, I just didn't have it. I climbed down out of my tree. I walked over to it and, and to date myself, you know, at this time, this was my buddy text me and it was like one, 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 seven, 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 say, hey, 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 you know what I mean? To get, you know, the QWERTY <laughs> cell phone, like yeah, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a, a smart cell phone. Back so, in the day, you know, yeah. So, I mean, it probably took him three and a half minutes to send me a text that said, did you shoot a deer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, and I, I wrote back, you know, yes. But, uh, so he, he got out of his tree stand. He came to me, we went and recovered the buck and, and he was excited. And, and he was like, man, you just don't seem very pumped up. I'm like, ah, I mean, I just don't really feel like there was any skill involved in this. And again, I'm not bashing rifle hunting. I'm not bashing shotgun or muzzleloader hunting. I just did not have that rush, you know, that I'd had before and it was noticeable. So then fast forward to the next season, the local bow shop rifle owner who had sold me that rifle and scope combo in the first place, he's like, Hey, you getting all fired up for deer season? I'm like, eh, 
I don't, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. And he's like, you need a bow that will get you fired back up. And, and he's like, I know enough about you with your, you know, what you do for a career. You like to hunt people. You need to hunt deer with a bow and get up and close and personal with it. And I'm like, eh, man, I got a toddler at home. If I buy a bow, my wife's going to kill me. And he's like, well, I think I can help you with that. And I was like, well, I don't want any handouts. And he said, no, no, it's not a handout, but he was a Matthews dealer at the time. And he said, I tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, we're allowed to give away one bow a year and I'm going to give you this bow. And I said, look, if I really wanted to work some off duty details, I'll save the money I'll do without to buy a bow. And he says, no, it's not about that. I, I don't want to see you skip a season. I want you to stay in the woods. So he gives me a bow. And then of course, then I had to buy a sight and rest and arrow and broadheads and quiver and stabilizer. And I'm like, Holy crap, this is more expensive than rifle hunting, you know? (laughs) So I get all my stuff and I go out. I have no clue what I'm doing. Every time I tried to draw my bow, I got busted, but I didn't get mad about it. Mm. And I'm like, this is the challenge that I want. I, I need to figure this out. Yeah. So, um, that went on for several years, you know, now I've shot a few deer, I've shot a few bucks and, and I'm like, yes, I am a bow hunter. I'm obsessed with this. And now instead of hunting six days a year, now I'm taking some vacation time, but because I'm bow hunting, my season got extended. So now I can start hunting on all of my days off, you know, from September all the way to January. So my season's got extended. Now I'm able to hunt 20, 25 days a year, you know, stuff like that. Whenever I can get away from the wife and kids and family chores and stuff like that. And in 2013, I went to a trade show in Ohio and I met Todd Prignitz. And at the time, Todd was peddling his white knuckle productions DVDs yep. uh, out of a booth. And, and he says, Hey, I want to show you something. And he pulls out this wicked tree gear handsaw. And I said, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. You know, I, I like that. I'd like to buy a couple of those. So I bought two handsaws from him and I grabbed one of his brochures and I bought a couple of DVDs. I had seen a couple of his DVDs already. And I liked the style of telling the hunt, not the kill. And it was unique because there wasn't a lot of people doing that at that time. You know, at that time, it was still very much just whammy, 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 you know, <laughs> just arrows and bullets going into animals. And, you know, I think Nugent was playing the guitar in the background in half the videos, you know. <laughs> and um, I was like, I don't really, that's not really me. You know, that's that's a little over the top. But on my way home from Ohio, from the Columbus trade shows, the Columbus, Ohio deer and turkey show, on my way back to Northern Kentucky, I was looking at this wicked tree gear brochure and a light bulb went off. You know, I have a degree in horticulture. I own a landscape company. This could be the best landscaping hand stall ever. And last time I checked, people are shooting whitetails in like 40, 45 states, but they're cutting down trees or trimming trees in like 500 countries. So the larger market is is the green industry so i at home i figured he would take him a day or two to get home and get unwinded from the show and then i called him and i just said hey i don't know if you remember me and i explained who i was and he's like oh yeah the guy with big biceps and tattoos and stuff you know that came by the booth and (laughs) and so we we start talking and i said i want to 
I want to work for you. And he's like, okay, uh, what do you mean? I said, I'll be a dealer. So I signed up as a dealer, which meant I got like 30% off saws and I bought a hundred hand saws and I went and sold them over a weekend just to landscape companies in Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati. And all I had to do was just say, hand them one, let them cut a branch and they bought one. And then they'd buy a dozen, you know, for their whole crew. So I called him back and I said, Hey, I need another hundred. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I sold all those saws like in two days. He's like, Holy crap. You now have sold more saws than Cabela's. And at that time <laughs> he had just gotten into a couple of Cabela's stores with the handsaw. So I was like, cool. So that makes me like your leading sales guy, you know, in the company. He's like, well, you're the only salesman in the company. So He's like, how would you like to be in charge of all of sales? And I said, wow. yeah, sounds great. So this went on for about a month. And then I called him back and I said, look, I need more skin in the game. I want to buy part of your company. And he's like, well, it's not for sale. Hey, I get it. I wouldn't want to sell it either. You got a good business. You know, you got a nice hand saw. It's a nice product. Uh, best of luck to you. And he's like, no, hold on a second. No, <laughs> I can't let you go. I said, well, then you're gonna have to sell me part of the company. So I, I bought part of the company and the way the company was structured is it was set up that uh, everything was 50, 50, 50, 50 percent uh, decision making, 50 percent expenses, you know, everything. He owned a larger percentage of the stock in the company, but the company was set up, you know, on a 50, 50 deal. And um, then we took off, man. I mean, that's when the pole saws kicked off, the ultralight pole saws I helped design, the hand pruners, the beasts, those were my designs. Um, and now we're in Cabela's and Bass Pro and Field and Stream. And then I had also started filming for White Knuckle and submitting you know, my content to White Knuckle. And he gave me an opportunity. He said, man, you really seem like you understand the marketing side of this world. And I don't have time to keep messing with it. How about you take over the sponsorships uh, trial by fire? I had no idea what I was doing. And I told the sponsors that I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but you tell me what you need. And they're like, we need video promotion. We need photos and we need social media. I'm like, cool. I can do that. So that's got that how that's how I got my foot in the door with dealing with the companies and finding out what they wanted. And then the Sitka thing came along and Sitka asked me to be an ambassador for their new whitetail pattern, their new launch. That was another huge break. And it, it you know, gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of people and kind of help get my name out there a little bit more. Because again, I was very much a behind the scenes guy because I was still undercover. Like I couldn't really be out in front, you know, like that. And we all, I kind of, we always had Todd be that guy. Todd was always the face of the brand and face of the business and the company. Then I made a decision. Uh, we got approached by Tecamani Holdings down in Texas and they wanted to buy Wicked. And so the deal was, is that we would sell Wicked to them and then I would come work for Tecamani for three years. And Todd didn't really want a part of that. He took his buyout and that was it. And then he went and started, you know, another business venture and stuff. Um, before he passed away, you know, before he died. And I, I, they, but they said, you have to move to Iowa. We want you to move to Iowa to be hands-on with the business, you know, more. 
So it was a great opportunity for me to make that business decision. Like it's time to walk away from law enforcement after 16 years. I'm only four years shy from a full pension and medical pension, but this is not what I want to do. What I want to do is I want to work in the outdoor space, whether, and I don't care in what capacity on the manufacturing side or on the video side, photography side, something. Um, but I'm going to take that leap. So wife and three kids, we moved to Iowa and I was running, it was weird because I was no longer an owner of Wicked. I was just the marketing director of Wicked. But then I also assumed the marketing director position of Tecamani Seed. Um, they had a cooler company that never made it really off the ground. Um, but that's what my new job was. And then I also made another big decision that I wanted to start my own show. And I left White Knuckle and I started a show called Arrow Wild TV just by because I was the guy in charge of sponsorships and I was the guy that all of the sponsors knew when I left white knuckle, all of the sponsors came on board with arrow wild because I was the guy they were dealing with. And I was the one that, and no offense to Todd, but at that time, that's just not how marketing was done. And a lot of outdoor companies shows didn't know how to promote the products. Sure. Sure. And, and, and I acknowledge that our job is to sell their products, period. They're not just paying us like the offering plate at the church, yep. you know, to, out of the goodness of their heart. <laughs> They're paying us because they, they want a return on their investment, yep. you know? Yep. So I understood that early on and probably because I grew up in a house watching my dad's business and the way his business operated and the way he took care of his clients and, and customers. So they all came on board with me and it kind of, it was off to the races and it gave Arrow Wild a nice injection of capital to kind of get things going right away. And, and things have just been going. And with every up, there's a down. Mm. In February of 2019, uh, Tecamani decided that they were Tecamani Holdings decided they were going to close shop. They were going to sell the seed company and they were selling wicked and business was shut down and nobody has a job anymore. Wow. So the company that I co-owned and took from one skew to 27 skews, I'm now no longer a part of in any capacity whatsoever. And I no longer had a job. So, you know, I went, um, you know, I went from one hundred twenty-five, hundred thirty thousand dollars a year to zero dollars a year, and that was pretty scary because yeah. we had just bought a farm and a big house in Iowa, and you know things like that, and we're living someplace where we don't have any family or any support system and and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, well, the only thing I know to do at this point is now's time to kick the show into high gear, but I'm also going to start offering, you know, freelance photography, freelance marketing, freelance consulting and product design development, you know, with other, with other companies. And I have experience in that. And, and that's the only thing I know to do at this point. It's either yeah. that or start going and collecting pop cans yeah. and can I, make money on aluminum. Yeah. Can I interrupt your story there just real yeah. quick? Because yeah. One of the pieces that really intrigues me about the outdoor space is that whole marketing piece, because, um, mm -hmm. you know, as I've worked with different companies or brands or whatever, some of them, man, they're just dialed in. Like they know exactly what they want. They know yeah. exactly what they're looking for. They've got experience. And then others come and they're like, look, we don't, we don't know what we're doing in this space. 
because it's changing yeah. so rapidly. So we've gone it from is. we've gone from TV to now like carbon TV and all of these apps. We've gone from yeah. uh, long form communication that's written to now podcasts are, are becoming huge. And we don't know how to track these things. You know, they're trying to learn all that. So how did you pick yeah. up, you know, photography and marketing and all those skills along the way? Was that just kind of a natural thing for you that you just noticed like, Hey, I've got a knack for it. Or, or did you like, did you dive in and, and read books and have, you know, resources that pointed you in the right direction? Yeah. I mean, I think growing up as a kid, my parents used to always say I was a bullshitter um, <laughs> and I could weasel my way out of getting grounded or, you know, something like that or getting expelled from school. So, um, you know, there's a couple of parts to it. Um, one, I think on the photography side, I took to it. Photography is not something that can be taught. Yeah. You either have the eye for it or you don't. Um, you can learn the mechanics of the camera gear, but the eye and, and learning composition of a photo, it, you either have it or you don't have it. Um, so that's one element. The biggest thing is I don't have a marketing degree but I had a job where I would walk into a crack house and I've got about 30 seconds for them to either decide to shoot me or to sell me drugs. Wow. So talking about identifying your consumer really damn fast. Yeah. It's the greatest training in the world. Wow. Like <laughs> you, that's my, that was my marketing training was that I needed to meet a person and identify what their needs were or what, their wants were very, very quick. And it very well could mean my life if I don't figure it out quickly. Um, and you know, in, in an undercover capacity, sometimes I played the role of a hillbilly. If I was buying meth, sometimes I played the role of an urban guy speaking Ebonics. If I was in an inner city or, you know, and I was buying heroin or crack or something like that. So depending on who you were dealing with, you know, you kind of became like a chameleon and again, you had to try to resonate with them and identify with them very quickly. And so that's, that's where my training in marketing came from. Then the final piece was when I was officially the marketing director of Wicked and of Tecamani and of this Glacier Cooler company. And we worked with other television shows. The common denominator always was I never had enough content to promote the business. And they were like, well, I mean, I, I, I talked about your product on an episode. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But like, that's one episode, but social media is every single day. There's Snapchat, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. Like I need content constantly. And right now we're in a digital world where people are gobbling up content as fast as they can get it. They can't consume it fast enough. You know, there's never, nobody will ever have their belly full. So I need more, I need more, I need more. And they're like, well, here's five photos. I'm like, cool. That gets me through like the week. I need more. Yeah. So that's when I started realizing when I started my company, um, I identified the things that I needed when I was in that position and I got to make sure I cater to them. And you look at Diamondback truck covers, Grizzly coolers, Cold Steel knives, Hoyt, Under Armour, Walkers, HHA, Crispy, Scent Crusher, Loophole, Real World, Avian X, Old Barn, Red Arrow Weapons, Novix, Hunter Safety Systems, Luminox, Stealth Cam. Those are the brands that I'm working with right now. 
I bet you a million dollars to a donut, not a single one of those marketing directors will ever say, John's good, but he doesn't give us enough usable content. Mm. They will all say John over delivers on what he said he was going to do. And so that's how I made my reputation was that I will outwork and I will provide more than anybody else. Um, and, and, and that's of no disrespect to any other photographers or shooters out there because there's better photographers than I am. There's better hunters than I am. But what I knew that I could do is I could provide them with usable photo content and not just a pretty picture. You know, I think a lot of times people will identify my photos that I'm very product lifestyle. That's the style of photo that I take. I'm showing you what I'm doing, but I'm also showing the product in there. Yep. And that to me, is it the, is it the most national geographic photo out there? No, it's not, but that's a photo that can be used on social media. It's a photo that can be used in a brochure. It's a photo that can be used in a magazine. It also helps sell the product because it shows the product and it shows the product in use, but it also kind of paints a picture of how it's getting used in the field. And people, you know, my thing, when somebody looks at one of my photos, I want somebody to go, damn, I want to be there. I want to do that. Yeah. And I, I need to have those crispy boots on to go do that. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. That's, that's, that's the emotion I try to evoke in that. So that's, that's how a lot of that came together for me. And, um, like I said, it was just right place, right time. Um, and, and I kind of fell into it, but I was able to put the pieces together. I mean, there was no thing that I do that makes me great. The only thing that I, if I had to pick the thing that made me good at what I do, it's putting those pieces together and identifying those pieces that I needed to put together. Um, so that's how it came together. And, and like I said, if brands wanted to work with me and um, in, in 2019, you know, that's when I just kind of, I think I made a face, I think I made a Facebook post and I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm now offering freelance photo services. And that was literally like, it was a desperation, you know, like the, guy that goes to the bar and walks up to a girl and he's like, somebody please date me. Like I I just want to date a girl. You know, I, I made a very lame post and I'm like, I got nothing to lose at this point. And I'm, I'm swallowing my pride. You know, a lot of people put stuff out on social media and they paint this picture that life is great and they're just kicking ass and taking names and they're making a million dollars. They're not. And, and I've never been that guy. I'll always tell it how it is. And, and I just said, screw it. I'm going to make a, Hey, I'm looking for some work. You know, I'm willing to do some freelance photo stuff. You know, what do you got? If you want to hire me, call me. And, and the phone rang like five minutes later and, and thank God the phone has never stopped ringing since then. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin sportsman podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best action cameras on the market for the hunter and angler. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. They also just launched the Reveal X Gen 2 cell camera that provides top-notch photo and video quality at a price point that's in reach for the everyday outdoorsman. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 5.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure that I don't miss any of the action. 
To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, www.tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps if you're a goober like me and you forget to set the correct time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can use the code Wisconsin at checkout for 20% off of any plan. That's 20% off of any plan. Just use the code Wisconsin. Now let's get back to the show. One of the things that that I really dig about you and what you're doing, and it seems like a common denominator of those guys who are successful in this space, especially today. Um, Mm -hmm. You've all got your hands in a lot of different things. Like you're really, yeah. really diverse. There, there's no, we don't live back in the old real tree days where it's like, I, uh, I show up and I shoot animals and I take video of it and I post it yeah. and boom, all the bills are paid. You guys are out there right. just grinding on a lot of different things. So tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about what all your hands are in today. So you kind of hit that point, a low point, let's say, uh, back in 2019, mm-hmm. the phone finally started ringing. You started moving forward. Bring me up to today. Yeah. What all, what all do you have your hands in now? Yeah. So, I mean, I think any, anybody that's uh, intelligent with financial planning will always say, if you're investing in stocks, diversify your portfolio. Yep. If one stock goes to shit, you've got these other ones, you know what I mean? Don't put all your eggs in one basket, blah, blah, blah. There's a million cliche phrases for that kind of mentality. And, and I took that to heart. I said, okay, let's diversify. And whichever ones the fire is burning, then we're going to put more gas on that fire. Um, so the first thing that I did was, you know, I, like I said, I had the hunting show, but I was also offering some freelance photography services. So that was two revenue streams, so to speak. Eventually I ended up giving that, that company a name and I called that Johnny Utah creative. Um, from there, I also started offering product design, consulting development and, past clients with that have been companies as big as mystery ranch. Um, I worked for those guys did, uh, I had a 12 month consulting gig designing military and law enforcement backpacks and gear for them. And then, um, from there, one of my buddies, he says, man, he's like, do you ever miss having a product, an actual tangible product instead of just selling a photo or selling the hunt or being a so-called influencer or whatever, like, do you, do you miss having a product? And I was like, you know, I kind of do. And I always dig that. And so I said, you know, even in a saturated market, if you have a good story and you have a good, you know, the, the product's got to be good at the end of the day, like the products yeah. always got to be good, yep. but it's got to have good branding, good marketing and, and tell a backstory. You know, I think even in a saturated space, you can make a product go. And he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, Turkey calls. And I was like, wow, that, that is, that is saturated. So <laughs> I was hunting in Kentucky and, you know, I think any, anybody knows Kentucky is bourbon capital of the world. And, and, um, I was on my way back. I got about an eight and a half hour drive back to my house in Iowa. And I used the little thing on the iPhone, the little memo record thing. And I spoke into the memo and I still have it saved. I voiced my entire business plan 
and the product in described in detail, the logo, the packaging, everything was spoken into that. And it's still the exact same product that I'm offering today. I've offered new SKUs and new striking surfaces for bourbon barrel, but the original product design concept is exactly how it, how I spoke into this thing back in, I don't know, the summer or late, late, you know, late spring, 2019, I got all my ducks in a row and launched that company on November 3rd of 2019. And so from that date to this spring, you know, we had the 20 spring, the 21 spring, and now the 22 spring. And we're over six, about 1600 calls have been sold out of my basement since then. And they're, and they're not just any um, kind of random mass produced call either. Like your hands are yeah, touching these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my hands are, are, are on the strikers throughout the entire process. My hands on the pot, uh, everything made the calls. Every single call has been hand assembled by me personally, even if I've got somebody down there helping, I've got, I've got some part timers that will help me do the, the packaging and the boxes and, you know, stuff like that. But the strikers and the pots and the, the calls themselves, I'm very anal about that, but they've, they've all been built, you know, built by me. And, um, so I started bourbon barrel calls. Um, and then most recently I started another company called work more hours and work more hours is just kind of been a mud I've always gone by my whole life. And it's kind of one of those things like at the end of the day, all you can do is work. And if something's not working, well, then you got to work more. And whether that's a relationship, your job, your parenting, your hunting, whatever you're trying to do in life, like it all just comes down to hard work. Not many of us are that, you know, a person that wins a lottery, how many, what percentage of people have won the lottery? It's like 0.000001%. So outside of those people, you're going to have to work for it. Yep. Um, so, and that was, that, that was a motto that my dad had said to me when I was a, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, and it's just something that's always stuck with me. I've tattooed it on my arm and my dad passed away about a year and a half ago. So when he passed away, um, I wanted to do something to kind of honor my dad. So I started that business and that business is real simple. It's hats and t-shirts that just have the simple motto written on it. I wanted it to be as simple as I possibly could because metaphorically speaking, it is that simple. So I wanted the logo simple. I wanted the font simple. I want the shirts to be simple. They're not loud. They're not flashy. It just says the motto work more hours. And that's what it means. Um, all of the proceeds that come from that company then go and they fund a, excuse me, they fund a memorial, um, an annual dirt car race that we host in Kentucky every year at a track called Ponderosa Speedway. And uh, my dad was a big dirt dirt track racer. I was the dirt track racer. And that was his probably his number one hobby in life. And it was the only thing that my dad and I did together as a father and son, you know, guys born in the fifties are cut from a different cloth and they might not have been the most, I love you type dads out there. So my dad, you know, the way he raised me was very much, um, you know, you're a winner. Um, don't half ass anything. You don't lose 
everything you do, you win. And if you don't win, it wasn't for lack of effort. And, um, you know, growing up, he was, he was just very, my dad was just very rough on me growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, looking back on it, I love it at the time. It sucked ass. It was the most horrible experience to go through. And I'm like, I hate you. I mean, there was many times (laughs) when I was a kid, I would tell myself and maybe even cry myself to sleep where I was like, I hate this guy. Like he's the biggest jerk in the world. Um, but I, he only had, there's, you know, to him and that mindset, he wasn't my best friend. He was my dad and he had certain things that he wanted to teach me. And at the end of the day, I might not be the nicest person in the world, but as an adult, but if he taught me work ethic, I won't fail. Yeah. And I think that was his mindset. As long as you have a good drive and you have a strong work ethic, you'll be successful in some capacity. Again, you might be a jerk and everybody might hate you, um, but at least you'll, you'll be a hard worker. So, and I think that was my dad growing up. That was the only thing that he really wanted to focus on was teaching me. Now in his later years in life, I know that he grew to, to regret how he raised me. And he would even make comments. He's like, John, he's like, I get it. You know, you work your ass off, but you need to stop every once in a while and appreciate what you have and appreciate the people around you. And I'm like, hold on, time out. <laughs> That's not the way you raise me. You you don't get to, you don't get to raise me and then criticize how I've become. And, and I've often, there's a post that I share almost every year, every time it comes up in my memory, but it's one of those things about, it's the explanation of, um, you know, when you're a hard worker and you're very goal driven, a lot of times people will mistake you for being a narcissist. Uh, a lot of things you do in life will be alone. You will do a lot of things alone in life. A lot of times you won't have a lot of friends and it's not because I'm not a friendly person. It's just that I am very goal driven and I'm, I'm very much looking ahead. I'm a, I'm a big person of the windshield is, is five foot wide and the rear view mirror is 12 inches wide. Mm. And the reason for that is because by design, we are designed to always be looking forward and, and don't look back, you know, keep your eye on the prize and just keep going and going and going. And, and so, um, you know, there was, there was times that he would talk to me about that as I, as I got older and, and, you know, and I've, I've made changes in my life that I'm very much more focused on my kids now than I used to be. I mean, I'll be honest, when my kids were first born, I was still very goal driven, chasing goals that my wife did a lot of the heavy lifting and, and I can't change that but I can try to be better tomorrow than I was yesterday in That's that right. regard. And, and I apologize to her sometimes weekly that I wasn't around in those early years, the way I should have been. I wasn't at the bars. I wasn't at the strip clubs and I wasn't at casinos. I was working. Um, so it's not as bad as it could have been. Um, but I do regret that a lot of, a lot of the way that I did that in life. And I think that there's a balance, but it's hard. Um, it's very hard sometimes to, to multitask in life like that when you are so goal driven. And at the end of the day, none of this was ever, Oh, I want to be famous. It was, I need a job and I want to find passion and I want to enjoy what I do. But yeah, at the end of the day, I got to pay bills. You know, life's not free. I don't have a silver spoon. I don't have an inheritance. I don't have a trust fund. Um, 
you know, February 23rd of 2019, my checking account was $6 and 87 cents. Wow. And there was no money coming in. That was it, man. That was it. So, um, it got scary, but I mean, I was willing to risk it for the biscuit as they say, you know what I mean? I was, I was chips all in, man. I don't, I don't, you know, anybody says that I don't do anything half-assed, ask my wife and tell me, you know, I can close my eyes right now and I can tell you exactly what, what uh, chicken flavored ramen noodle tastes like. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, man, you know, in doing what I'm doing right now, uh, you know, I'd gotten to a, to a, a place in, in my job where that phrase work more hours just meant a ton mm-hmm. to me because, you know, you got the full-time day job, you're balancing uh, a family yeah. at home and then you're coming home and you're trying to produce quality content. And then in your spare time, you're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to take photos, you're trying to get some video, you're trying to, mm-hmm. to deliver. And um, man, there's been a lot of nights where it's like, yeah, you sleep for two hours. You know, the other morning I was, I was going to go turkey hunting. I got all my filming stuff ready and I'm working on editing a podcast yeah. up and I realized I'm going to get about an hour of sleep um, before mm-hmm. it's time to get up to go turkey hunting again. And that phrase is mm-hmm. running through my mind, work more hours, you know, like mm-hmm. keep after it, get your eye on the prize. And man, it's tough, yeah. but yeah, you got to get that, uh, you, you've got to get that, that perspective, but then also trying to keep that balance as, as best you can. And I think there, there are seasons, right. in in what you do mm-hmm. and, and I'm learning more and more about that right now, there are seasons, there are busy seasons where you're just, yeah. you're not going to be as present maybe at home as you'd want to be either physically or mentally or whatever that looks like. But, but trying yeah. to find that good balance, man, is, is so crucial. So yeah. crucial. And you know, for the first time in my life, I mean, I'm 44 now. And, and when I, you know, now pending a huge recession, which is very possible, right. But pending something drastic happening, the businesses are rolling. Things are projected as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. And I don't slack off. Um, I, for the next several years, I have a sustainable career. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, Instagram's trying to hurt me a little bit right now. I've, se- I've seen that, man. And all that crap, it's gotten out of hand. But other than that, you know, um, business is, is good. So now I'm able to actually plan a little bit better. You know, I have a tentative 12-month schedule, you know, for each year. And a lot of that is based on sponsorships and partnerships. You know, the more money that comes in, the more, the more things I can do to produce content. Right. Yep. And, but I'm able to plan a little bit and something my dad would always do though, is he was very busy. He owned his, you know, owned his own business and, um, he might not be present every day, but when he was, it was big. You know, like we'd go to Kings Island, you know, for the day, or we would have a family trip. And if we went to Florida or Myrtle beach or something like that on vacation, then it was huge. I mean, we were renting jet skis every day. We were fishing like as much crap as you could cram into a one week family vacation. (laughs) We would come home from family vacation exhausted. You know what I mean? (laughs) But still to this day, I remember those vacations, you know, So it was kind of that work hard, play hard, you know, like I said, he wasn't there all the time, but when he was, he would always do it really big. Um, So I, you know, and I try to do that, you know, for me, June, July, August, 
are my slower, slower months. Um, January, February, outside of a few trade shows in January, February, you know, those are slower months for me, but like September to December, my wife already knows I'm either going to be in a tent or I'm going to be in a tree stand, Yep. you know, like that's just going to happen. And then come Turkey season. Um, although Turkey season is not as bad, it can be bad, but I mean, I've got a lot of, you know, usually a lot of Turkey traveling going on shed hunting or starting to food plots, mineral trail cameras, you know, that kind of stuff. So really it kind of puts it to that June, July, August. And, and although there's tack events and I'm still traveling, you know, um, through there and 3d shoots, I try to make bigger impacts. You know, last night we sat down and, and we all watched a movie together and we haven't done that in months. Wow. Uh, but I remember when I was a kid, even my dad would make time. We'd all sit down and watch Mary with children, watch Al Bundy talk about Polk high <laughs> and all of his touchdowns and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't know if that was quality American family television, uh, but it fit our family because yeah. we were all jo- a bunch of jokesters and cutting up all the time. So, but uh, yeah, you know, and I try to implement a lot of that stuff as much as I can, because I know there are going to be months where I'm absent. And fortunately, you know, I have a wife that's very understanding and she knows that this is my job. My job is not nine to five. I'm not always going to be home all the time. Um, she will yell at me at times and tell me, Hey, are you done working today? I'm like, yeah, I'm done working. She's like, then put your damn phone down mm, and be yeah. in the moment, you know, yeah. be, be here. Yeah. And, uh, she, she keeps me, keeps me in check, keeps the balance and she will put her foot down from time to time. And she'll say this Friday, are you out of town? I'm like, Nope, Nope. I'm in town this Friday. She's like dinner movie Friday night. Don't make plans. Turn your phone off. I'm like, yes, ma'am. You, <laughs> you know go. what I mean? You're the boss. There you go, man. Yeah. That yep. one of the, one of the, one of the slogans I'm trying to live my life by right now is wherever you're at, be all there. You know what I mean? Yes. So whether it's, yeah. whether it's this June, July, August period for you where you're like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm more yep. accessible, more open to my family. Like I'm, I've got more time, man, lean yep. into that while you've got the time, because you know, the time's coming where, where you're going to yep. be in a deer stand and you don't want to be there like I oftentimes, and either in the deer stand or, or out in the turkey woods, and and you you're, you got that guilt in the back of your mind. You're like, man, I should be at home. Mm-hmm. I wish I was spending time with my family. That kind of stuff. So, be, I know. wherever you're at, be all there, so that so that when September comes, be all there. You can be all there too. You know, and you're not carrying yeah. that with you. Of man, I didn't put in the time and the put in. I didn't put in more hours at home. You know that kind of uh-huh. thing. Um, tell me, so yep. man, you've gone you've gone through this huge journey, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've got about 10 minutes left uh, to record, so uh, may have uh-huh. to condense it some, but tell me, you recently uh, made a really big move for you, and that was your move to, to be with Under Armour uh, and move away mm-hmm. from Sitka. So can you, can you kind of give me some of that story in, a, in about 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can kind of cliff note it down a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, I respect businesses from the outside looking in under armor is a, a huge business. They, um, you know, have, have done a phenomenal job with marketing, um, as a global brand and they, they, as a company, um, I, I have a slogan and actually this is probably the easiest way to condense this. I have a slogan and I've done this with every brand that I, that I work with. 
and it's people first product second, but they both better be awesome. Mm, yeah. And it's as simple as that. And I've always lived by that. There could be a cool product with a super douche employee, manager, owner, marketing director. I won't work with them. Mm. I have to genuinely like the people. And I've made that a rule that I've always sought the people that I want to work with. I, you know, not that the company Maven was a bad company, but the people that work at Leupold, I just instantly hit it off with and loved the people and what they were about and how they appreciated, you know, what people were doing and how they were growing the brand that I left Maven and I, and I went with Leupold and they have a great product. Maven has a good product, but I connected better with the people of Leupold. Sure. And that's why I made that decision last summer and very much so with Sitka and Under Armour. Um, the, the marketing agency that runs, you know, the side for Under Armour, um, I hit it off with. They, they liked my brand. They liked the message that I was putting out. I filled a void for them. You know, you had Cam Haynes and Remy Warren just left. And so, you know, I joke with them and I told them, I was like, I'll, I'll be your Casey's general store campaigns. You know, I'll be your, I'll, I can be your dollar general Remy Warren. And um, so when we had first started talking, I'll be honest, that was one of my big fears is I didn't want to come in and kind of be like that redheaded stepchild, you know, to Remy and Cam. Do I think that I'm as good as Remy and Cam? No. And I didn't want to go in and take a back seat, you know, if I was going to make a move, I wanted to make a move where I could tell my story more. Sure. Um, not that I wanted to be famous front and center, but I wanted an opportunity to tell my story. Yep. And I thought, man, I'll always be in their shadows, you know? Um, and they were like, nah, I don't think you're going to have to worry about that too much. <laughs> and I mean, they were trying to tell me that they were leaving, but I didn't know. Fortunately, you know, being on the inside of the industry, I knew that they were leaving. And I, I caught wind of it that they were leaving several months before they made the announcements. I mean, hell, even Remy told me he was leaving in January um, that he was going to First Light. Okay. And I think it was another another three months before he made the public announcement. And, and I swore that I wouldn't repeat it, you know. Sure. But uh, he was, you know, Remy was, Remy's a super solid dude, man. That's, he's one of the nicest, most humble guys I've met at that level, you know. And, uh, and he, he told me, he's like, look, man, they're a good company. He's like, knowing your brand and knowing your message, I think you're a perfect fit for Under Armour. And I think you'll be really happy. I think you'll be happier at Under Armour than you are at Sitka. Even though you're leaving an eight-year tenureship, you know, with Sitka and you were there. I mean, hell, I helped design six or seven pieces of gear that Sitka is still selling today. Oh, wow. And nobody knows that. You know what I mean? Like nobody yeah. has a clue that I helped design that stuff. I mean, the turkey stuff, the insect shield, the backpack. Um, I was prototype testing that stuff for them and making tweaks and changes two and a half years ago in the swamps of Florida, getting bit up by West Nile virus. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows that I was doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's when I started to feel a little bit of a, a separation from Sitka that you know, I'm doing all of this. I'm not saying that I want to get the award, but I don't want the award given to somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, 
and you know, at the end of the day, Under Armour, uh, I've always been a gym rat. I just never put out that information. I mean, there might be somebody that would make a comment like, oh yeah, what's going on there biceps, you know, but like <laughs> I was at the gym every single day and never posted about it. Yep. And everybody thinks that maybe, okay, John just likes to work out. People don't understand what working out is for me is that's my mental drive. You know, that's my, that's an exercise in daily development for me. I can go kick my own ass and then I got stronger tomorrow and I got stronger the next day and I got next day. And there's days that I don't want to work out, but I make myself do it and I feel better for it. So like for me, that's the mental exercise. The mental benefits from working out for me is, you know, muscle is a byproduct of it. Does it help me hunt farther, hike farther, work harder? Sure. A hundred percent. It gives me energy, but it gives me more mental focus than it does anything else. And that's where I go and I clear my head and I pound out the weights and it's just me for me. And, and I love it. Under Armour is giving me an opportunity to kind of share that more, uh, that side of me and that side of my brand and be a little more transparent. You know, I grew up farm pond fishing you know, mostly bluegill and catfish, but now I've gotten more into larger catfish and trout fishing and fly fishing and, and going and doing more saltwater stuff. I'm actually in July, I'm going to be going back out to the Potomac and doing some more blue cats and some flatheads. And we'll also be doing some bow fishing as well. And we're going to, you know, crank out an episode about that. And these are things that I grew up doing and, and I just love the outdoors and, and anything that I can put out there and anything that I can experience and do, um, I want to do. And Under Armour as a clothing apparel brand, uh, as an athletic brand, it, it allows me to do that. And then I want to real cliff note this down. When I made the announcement that I was leaving Sitka and going to Under Armour, you know, I caught a little bit of crap from not a lot. Uh, I'm sure there was more that thought it that didn't send me the message, but there was a couple of people that, you know, they grabbed their, they grabbed their balls up and they sent a DM and said, Oh man, I can't believe you're going to work for this commie company that hates <laughs> hunters. And I'm like, what hates hunters? You know what I mean? So here's how I break it down. I would guess probably under armor somewhere in that five to ten billion dollars a year gross sales or something like that uh maybe more i don't know um hunting has got to be literally three daggone percent of their sales mm. maybe four percent tops so a lot of times what people are citing is they're citing the josh and sarah bomart incident that happened yep where yep. josh strapped a gopro to a spear and chucked it at a bear that clearly did not kill this bear right away. And this bear is now suffering. I understand that people back in the day killed bears with spears, but that's not the most ethical way to kill a bear. Now we have modern technology, weapons, bows, arrows, you know, rifles, muzzle loaders, uh, crossbows, whatever. There's so many more ethical ways to, to kill a bear. Anytime I've always felt anytime somebody pushes the envelope a little too much in the outdoor space or in any industry, it's for clout and for attention. Mm, and yeah. I thought to me, that was a low hanging fruit opportunity. Like I said, when you go, when you start strapping GoPros to your weapon that you're going to chuck at an animal, 
that's pushing the envelope a little, just a little too much in my opinion. Um, a lot of the backlash that came from the Under Armour incident was publicly people saw a video of him chuck a bear and celebrate. What people did not see was the the rest of the video footage. Mm. In fear that that video footage would get leaked out. I mean, what was on the surface, Under Armour wasn't going to drop the Bomars. It was what was on the rest of the video footage that they dropped the Bomars. If they had not dropped them and then the rest of that video footage surfaced, now Under Armour has a huge black eye. Well, I cannot believe you did not drop these people because wow. of this. So they went ahead and cut their losses and cut cut them, disassociated, you know, their affiliation, you know, with the Bomars at that time. Then everybody says, oh, my God, they just turned their back on hunters. Well, people didn't, people don't know all of the behind the scenes, you know, what went on. Again, this is a brand that only 3% of their business, 4% of their business comes from hunting. If they truly did not like hunting, what a perfect segue to just opt out of the hunting world altogether. Scrap the whole line. Scrap the whole line. We're going to stick to football, baseball, and basketball and be happy. That's where the money's at anyway. That's where the money's at. Yeah. But they stayed in it. You know what I mean? They stayed in it because they wanted to stay in it. That was one of the categories that helped build their brand and they still like hunting. So it was still, they, they stayed in it. And I think now they're taking the opportunity to double down and really reinvest, you know, um, into, into the hunting line. So, and believe me, these are questions that I asked them too, back when we first started talking in September, I'm like, guys, I know this is probably a sore subject and you guys have probably answered this a million times, but I got to know where are you at with hunting? Because I do not want to get into this. And then a year later you guys pull out and they're like, we're not going anywhere. Like we're here. If we wanted to leave, we would have left back in the day on the Bomar incident. Yeah. So to clear the air with everybody, don't be so quick to, to judge Under Armour on what they did. Now, again, these are also, I don't want to throw shade at Josh and Sarah, but facts are facts. And this is what is out there publicly on record. This is the same Bomars that are under in some indictments right now for some serious hunting violations. Mm. And they have a jury trial, I believe scheduled for this summer or something like that. And they may be, they may get off of it. They may be acquitted and never charged with these, but these are the same people that are currently being charged, you know, with some crimes. Now did under armor have the foresight to make a decision back then? I don't know because they hadn't made those, you know, those violations and those charges weren't brought up at that time. But what I can tell you is that, there was more to that video footage than what was publicly seen. And that's when the decisions was, you know, the decision was made. Yeah. Man. And I can tell you right now, I don't have anything against Josh and Sarah. I've never even met them personally. If I don't think about any of the stories I've ever been told about them and I just judge them on what I judge them, I don't necessarily have an opinion. Sure. Uh, on, on them either way. Like I said, I don't know the guys, they could be the greatest people in the world. I, I, I don't know, but what they do in this world doesn't affect me or my paycheck or my family or how I hunt or how I view the world. Yeah. I'll go on record and say that. Um, 
what I can say is if I was the CEO of Under Armour and I saw what I saw, just the public side of the video, I would have cut them myself Mm. because I, I feel at the end of the day, a lot of people want to take the stance of we are hunters. It is our right. No, it's a privilege. Mm. The state gives us these tags and we have a privilege. We have the opportunity to go hunt and we need to, we want to keep this, we want to keep this thing going and we want to project it in a positive manner. You know, I I'm the first to say, I'll never apologize for being a hunter, but I sure as shit, I'm not going to give any ammunition to the anti hunters. If I can, <laughs> if I can, Yeah, that's right. you know, I, I keep, I keep a, an old towel in my truck and a, and a jug of water. And the sole purpose of that is to wet that rag down and wipe the animal down a little bit, clean up some of the blood, like, I get it. We're all happy and proud of our kill and we're going to post photos about it. Um, But there's a time and a place to do it. And I think that we all need to take just a split second and make sure that we're projecting this in a positive manner. You know, and if that makes me a commie leftist sellout for making that statement, I'm sorry. But I think we could all, we all, when we're hunting, you know, not everybody's a hunter and I'm okay with that but I don't purposely go out every day. and want to piss people off you know what I mean, <laughs> or offend people yeah. like contrary to proper belief. Like I'm not that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't want to do that. Uh, so, um, so I think that's, that's a lot of it, but they, they clarified all of those questions for me and, uh, and I'm jacked up. I'm stoked to be working with them. I'm proud to represent their brand. I hope that I can keep them proud to, um, to acknowledge me as one of their athletes. And I'm anxious to see where we can take this thing with some new, some new gear, new textiles and, uh, some more product development coming out in the very, very, very near future. Man, that's awesome. You know, and, and I gotta say just real quick, kudos to Under Armour too. If there was more to the story that they didn't just throw out there and throw the yeah. Bomars under the bus, you know, kudos to mm-hmm. them. That that's taking the high road, you know, cause they took a lot of flack for, yeah. for, for all they did. Of that. They took a lot of flack for yeah. a lot of years. Yeah. So, well, man, you know what? This has been an excellent conversation. Like I said, from the beginning, a lot of it was totally selfish. I just wanted to hear your story, hear what makes you tick and uh, hear how you got to where you are, man. You're an inspiration and I super appreciate mm-hmm. everything you're doing. So keep it up. If folks want to learn more about you or find more from you, yeah. where can they go? So the most, uh, the most popular place for more of the day-to-day everything that I do um, is going to be johnny.utah.hunt on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty active with my IG stories about the day-to-day life and stuff that's going on. And also, please, please check out Primal Divide. That's the name of my hunting show. And if you want to watch new episodes, you can go to the Waypoint TV app or Waypoint TV channel, depending on your streaming service that you have. And also, once those episodes uh, play, they live, uh, they go live and, and premiere on that network. Usually two to three weeks later, I then put them on the Primal Divide YouTube channel. Uh, but I give I give them first dibs on that. But uh, I'm, I'm proud of the of the show that I put out. I feel like it's a real true to life show. Um, and you know, like I said, I'm, I'm happy with the product and, and hopefully my, my partners are as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, man, thank you for your time. Uh, folks go over and check out the show. Check out Bourbon Barrel Game Calls as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, everybody should get after it. Thanks so much for your time today, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it, you have a great day. 
And that is all for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to John Mulligan for coming on. I really appreciate him taking time out of his day to hop on and inspire all of us with his awesome story about how he got into the outdoor industry. Also, big thanks to all of our partners, Tacticam, Deer Lab, and Huntworth. Thanks so much to those guys. Uh, Hey, if you like this show, go support our partners. Man, they help us keep the lights on. They help us keep this show going and uh, helping us do some pretty cool stuff here moving into the future. So with all of that said, thank you again for listening. Until next time, get outside, do something to take advantage of this astounding resource that is ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.